On Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther, me, Lily and I explore the many different regulations that govern the way people with disabilities, and especially people with vision loss, experience the outdoors, like we're talking fishing, boating, and hunting licenses. What's legal, what's ethical, and what's doable? I include some tips on the technology I use and other blind people use for hunting, and I explore some of the ethical issues about hunting with low vision or blindness and where you need to draw the line. All this on Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther. Come on, Lewis, let's go track down Lily. Did you know? Hey, Lily. Hey. I understand you uh, found something on the internet that got you thinking about what blind people are actually legally allowed to do. What's that all about? Yeah, um, and it involves like hunting blind. Hunting blind? So... uh, Hunting in duck blinds for ducks or mm -hmm. blind people hunting ducks? Okay, well, so the Idaho Fish and Game Commission moved forward with a rule change that could allow visually impaired hunters to use adaptive technology they say is crucial for them to be able to hunt safely. Really? So, Lily, what prompted this petition to uh, go forward? Like, what's this all about? During a special meeting, the seven-member commission voted unanimously to consider an accommodation to allow visually impaired hunters to attach electronic devices to firearm scopes. Wow. Yeah. No, the decision, it came a month after two families submitted petitions requesting to, a change to rules that forbid the use of um, nearly all electronics attached to firearms. The Idaho Department of Fish and Game has said that the rules are meant to preserve fair chase ethics in hunting, but the families of T.J. Cartwright and Jade Harlow, both of whom are blind, said the rules prevented them from safely pursuing big game. Go T.J. and Jade! Woo! So, Lily, what technology are they referring to? Tell me more. Both hunters uh, successfully use scope cameras to harvest deer in the past. Okay. Uh, The cameras are attached to their rifles, providing an external view of where the firearm is aimed. A sighted companion is then able, you know, to guide the visually impaired hunter to their target. In February, Cartwright's wife, that's TJ Cartwright, Kylie, submitted a petition to Fish and Game asking the agency to amend its rules. This is really just a camera and it's like tablet display system. It doesn't utilize artificial intelligence. The petition explicitly states that she is not seeking to legalize smart scopes, which would tell the hunter the windage, range, or bullet trajectory, said the fish and game deputy director to the commission at the meeting. So were they uh, successful in their bid? Fingers crossed. Well, okay. So the commission voted to consider the rule change. It must go through a lengthy process before a final decision is made. So that process includes um, multiple public comment periods and Uh approval from the legislator. (laughs) I can imagine the public's two thumbs up for blind hunting. In Idaho. (laughs) Who knows, right? Like that could go either way. Lily, personally, you know, I've looked into many of these types of regulations uh, with respect to my own personal outdoor interests. You know, things Mm. like fishing licenses, boating licenses, hunting licenses. There's a fascinating range of rules out there. And a lot of people who are, uh, you know, utilizing those rules to their own interests. Uh, unfortunately, not a lot of blind people talk about this publicly because the idea of blind people fishing, well, that's fine. Driving a boat, what? Hunting, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. not something you really want to spark a, a, a public discussion over. You just want to go out and do your thing. Mm-hmm. 
So um, what kind of licenses uh, do you have or, you know, should have? Is it all legal? Like, what about, you know, insurance? And Should you even be doing these things as someone without sight? Like, is, you know, that's the thing. Like, who, do you really think that's a good idea? So you want to get into this conversation, do you? Oh. Outdoor Adventures. What licenses do you have that allow you to legally fish, boat, and hunt? Well, Lily, as a person who fishes recreationally in Ontario, I don't actually need a license, a fishing license. Uh, For some reason, in Ontario, people with disabilities do not need a fishing license. People under the age of 18 do not need one, and people over the age of 65 do not need one. It's uh, not the only province in Canada that gives an exemption for fishing licenses for people with disabilities. Personally, I wouldn't mind having to pay... And I do pay because if I don't, I get a conservation license, which only allows me to keep only uh, a few fish when I go fishing, whereas a sport fishing license, which I have to pay for, allows me to keep my full limit of fish. So it's not a wide open fishing license if you get, uh, you just take the free one as a person with a disability. Oh. A, a boat is the uh, pleasure boat operator certificate. You got yours. Yeah, I you got mine. I don't understand how you got yours. <laughs> well, I asked and uh, the people administering the tests and I said, you know, do I have to read the test myself or can you read me the test? And they said, no, we'll read you the test. <laughs> so I sat down at one of those shows where they have the, uh, you know, all the computers set up in a row and sat down with the, one of the uh, people who worked behind the booth and did the test and got my operator c- certificate. And I did that because I read in the newspaper about a young boy who who was blind who got his. And he was quite happy about that. So I said, well, if he can get his, I'll get mine. And I have a hunting license. I got my hunting license when I was quite young. I, when I was 15, oh I did my, my hunter's safety course. It was a five-day course with a friend. And then as soon as we turned 16, we both went and wrote the tests and got our hunting licenses. Now... You know, <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> the, when I went in and wrote the test, you know, it was an actual uh, multiple choice test. Uh-huh. I had my very thick uh, magnifying glasses. I had peripheral vision. I was legally blind. At 16, I'd been legally blind already for eight years. But by holding my nose, literally touching the paper, I could still read with these powerful magnifying glasses with one eye. And I, I read the questions, finished the test, handed it in. No one said a word. And I passed. <laughs> I got my hunting license. Oh, yeah, that's so, just unsettling. <laughs> so I could drive a boat, hunt with a gun, and fish as a no problem, fully licensed. It's in, fantastic. In, in Ontario. But you can't drive a car. That's important to notify. You do not have a driver's no, license. No, no, no. Actually, in Ontario, there's a specific law that says if you get caught driving a car as a blind person, <laughs> it's a $1,000 fine. And that's been in place for 50 years. And it is a bit of a problem. People losing their sight often continue to drive well beyond being declared legally blind. Now, uh, it's, the, it's the law that a, a doctor has to seize your, uh, you know, report you and, and seize your, your driver's license if, if they think you're no longer competent to drive. And then you have to go and argue your case to get it back. Why does Ontario, like, why does the Ontarian government think that people with a disability should be able to fish without a license and... You know, like, what, what, why isn't like that in every other province? Yeah, why can't we hunt without a license or operate a pleasure boat without a license? Mm. It's not like we're probably doing these things alone. But I can fish alone. I can operate my boat alone. And technically, legally, I can also go hunting alone. Would I do that? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> I, 
don't, don't. <laughs> no, I go, I go fishing by myself. I have my, my little port-a-boat with the electric motor that I go in by myself with the dog and I go drive around. It only goes as fast as you walk. It's plastic. It's a light boat. If I bump into something, it's not the end of the world. Do I drive my 19-foot fiberglass uh, ranger fishing boat with 175 horsepower? No, I do. I do that. You do. Other people do. And I have to submit a list of all the people who drive that boat to my insurance company because they know I'm blind. Am I on the list? Yeah. And they know I'm blind and they definitely do not want me to be driving that boat. If I get caught driving that boat, I'm probably not going to get insurance on my boat. It's in my name. I own it. But you have to have insurance, right? Oh, so all your friends are on that list too? All my friends, they want to know who, oh. who's driving it and how much boating experience do they have. I, you know, I, I don't think it's a good idea for me to ever drive that boat. I have to say though, you know, I'm sponsored by Ranger Boat. I get a new boat every year and uh, I like to feel how the boat handles to make sure it operates well. So I used to, when I got my new boat in the spring, go out on a lake with a buddy and, and drive it a little bit out in the open water just to get a feel and make sure everything's good and tight and the way it should be. Mm-hmm. But I don't do that now either. Because with uh, with everyone having cameras on their phones, I just don't want a picture showing up on social media of me driving that boat. Right? Mm, that so would just valid. be a, a bad thing. But you still didn't answer my question, though. Why does the Ontarian government think that people with disabilities shouldn't pay for their license? I think they want blind people to go fishing. <laughs> okay, that's a great <laughs> and, 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 answer. And I think they think, like, if you get a chance to go fishing with someone, if someone asks you to go fishing... And then, and then you have to go get someone else to take you somewhere to buy a fishing license. Mm. It's a deterrent. It's not like you can just jump in the car yourself and drive to Canadian Tire and get your fishing license. Yeah. So they're thinking, well, that's just a barrier. One more barrier. Why don't we remove that barrier and just let them go fishing? And if they get serious about it, like me, and, and they want to get a sport fishing license, they'll buy a sport fishing license. Mm-hmm. I think the ones that like fishing would buy their license if they had to. Like, do you think that if blind people or other people with disabilities would stop fishing if they had to pay? No, they would keep fishing. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. But, and, I, and I think, you know, those one-off charitable events where they gather a whole bunch of blind people, put them on a bus, bring them somewhere, pair them up with uh, pros with boats, take them fishing for the day, feed them a big supper and send them home. Those sorts of events are sort of, you know, they're not as common anymore. Because people are more integrated, right? People are living within communities mm-hmm. and they, they know people, you know, who fish. And if they have an interest in fishing, they'll f- they'll meet someone who goes fishing and, and go fishing. It's not yeah, like they're exactly. living in segregated uh, housing anymore. You know, that sort of ended a long time ago. Yeah. About boating licenses or the federal government's uh, pleasure boat operator certificate. Yeah. What are they intended to accomplish? And, you know, like what's the involved in getting a certificate? Well, before that came about, anyone could drive a boat. There was no limit on, you know, you, you didn't have to get a captain's license. If you owned a boat or you knew someone that owned a boat or you were on a boat and they offered you to, you know, drive the boat, you could drive the boat. When those jet skis became popular, they were very noisy mm-hmm. and people were racing around on lakes, passing by docks and beaches and harassing people in canoes. Everyone was really upset with those jet ski oh, owners. Yeah. And so this was meant... To say, okay, if you're going to run around in a jet ski or any powerboat, you need to learn how to be polite and cautionary and and respect the rules. So they were trying to get people to be more respectful and considerate by studying a booklet, taking the test, and then they could jump on their jet ski and bomb around. Anyone could really pass a test. There was no instruction involved uh, other than just reading the booklet. 
So did it accomplish the goal of, of, of making the lakes and rivers safer for uh, canoes and kayaks and swimmers and less noisy for people who have shoreline properties? I don't know if it did anything. I think jet skis just got quieter. The technology improved and, and the, those machines got a lot quieter. I think it's not a bad thing for everyone to know the basic rules for sure. Uh, what, what do you think the government was thinking when they decided that a blind person can get hunting license? I don't think they thought about it. They figured, well, if you want to hunt and mm-hmm. you can still see enough to shoot and you know, you can sneak up on an animal and shoot it. Well, good for you. Go for it. In in Canada, anyways. And so it was never it was never an issue. The only thing they said is you had to be able to do the test. Like when I did the test 40 years ago, I I wouldn't dare go up and say, hey, I'm blind. It's my right to take this test. You, you need to provide me with an accommodation, yeah. you know, so I can do the test. I know they would just say, sorry, you can't do get the out. test. You can't, you can't do the test yourself. You can't get your license. So yeah, for sure. I was lucky. But I know now there's other blind people out there that have done all the hunter safety course and taken the test and got their hunting licenses. Did they get it before they went blind or did they get it after when they're blind? I think there's people out there who got their hunting licenses after they went blind and Hmm. they just, they just did it. And people said, no problem. You can do it because most people that hunt uh, who are blind like me, they hunt with friends, Mm -hmm. right? Like when I had low vision, I hunted by myself for bear and uh and deer you know you you wait in the forest near a trail wait for a deer to go by because the number one rule in hunting is you need to 100 percent identify what it is you're shooting at before you shoot amen and and if you're totally (laughs) blind or or severely low vision and you can't do that you can't shoot right you know ethically you if you can't see what you're shooting at you shouldn't be shooting at it Mm -hmm. you can't can't shoot at noise because that was the big problem lily People would shoot at noise. So this was a huge rule they emphasized for all hunters. You can't stand in the bush and hear rustling in the bush, shoot first, and then ask questions later. That's just a... Oh, yeah. But it happened too often. It happened too often. So that was the number one rule that every hunter had to learn is you must positively visually See. identify the game you're shooting before you shoot it yeah and you, yeah for sure like you don't want to also you don't want to be seeing like this big hairy guy walking around and say <laughs> oh my god a bear if you're a big hairy guy walking around the bush during bear hunting season you probably should be wearing some orange you know because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a bear is very black and uh, the bush is very green so there's a lot of contrast there and if you hold still technically black bears are legally blind they have very poor vision but they have good peripheral vision. They can see movement. They just can't see detail. Mm. So if you hold perfectly still, they can't see you. It's only when you move, they can't, they see the movement. But they have tremendous smell. They can smell you and they can hear you. So you have to be very quiet. You have to not move. They'll walk right by you and they'll stop and they'll sniff. They'll smell you. They'll smell something different. But as long as you don't move, they won't see you. Can legally blind people in Ontario hunt? Like, can they yeah. get a month? Oh, they yeah. can get the license. Yep. Yeah, the way not, but not just the way you did. No, no, you can do it. Okay. Yeah, I, I checked because I lost my licenses. And now that my friends, you know, all my friends hunt in the fall. And mm. They all want me to go hunting with them. And now that there's technology, like in the story you were talking about, these cameras and stuff. Yeah. You know, why shouldn't I go hunting again? So Are we going to go hunting this fall? Yeah, I want to go hunting. We're going to so go turkey hunting? I contacted the government. I said, hey, can you find me my hunting license? Yeah. And they looked and they got back to me and said, yeah, we found it. Nice. And they said, we've restored it to your outdoor card <laughs> and, and and your hunter safety course too. So they said, you're all good to go. And then I, I wrote them another letter and I said, can I use these cameras on my rifle 
so that people can see what I'm shooting at. Mm -hmm. And they said, absolutely no problem. It's not the problem like it is in that story you told us earlier. Blind people can actually use these devices to hunt with. We're going to go hunting this fall. You want to go hunting? Yeah. Okay. All I right. want to go I want to go hunting. I want to catch a turkey. Yeah, me, you don't catch them. You kill them. I, I know. <laughs> I want to hunt a turkey. <laughs> me too. Just to be clear, Dad, you did get your hunting license back. I did. Yeah, I got it. It's, it's on the computer. It's been assigned to my official outdoor card for Ontario. Uh, it's there. Now, if I want to get a deer hunting license, I have to uh, buy a deer hunting license. If I want to get bear hunting license, I have to buy one of those or a rabbit hunting license or hunting goose or turkey. I have to buy those licenses individually. What do you use when you hunt alone? Weren't you worried that you would injure an animal and it would run away because you couldn't shoot as well as a sighted hunter? Well, that's the big ethical dilemma, right? For any hunter. Mm. You know, if you take a, too long of a shot and you injure the animal and it runs away, lives the rest of his life with a major injury or, or dies days later, that's a problem. You know, if you shoot an animal in the lungs, let's say, it might be able to run a couple hundred feet before it, it, yeah. it, it dies. It, you know, the best shot is a heart shot and, and it dies instantly. You don't ever shoot in the head because that's not going to work well for you or the animal. But you always shoot in that sort of chest cavity area and hope you hit a lung or the heart. Mm-hmm. It was, I think I was... I think it was, I was 18 mm-hmm. and I was bear hunting for the third year in a row and a big, big bear came out and I was very close, very close. And I took a shot and the bear went down and I loaded and took another shot and he got up and ran away. Yeah, okay. And I said, oh my goodness. And I looked around and I listened and I looked and I waited and I couldn't hear anything and I didn't feel comfortable, you know, pursuing the bear myself. So I waited for my, the truck to come around because the truck came around at the end of the day to mm. collect us all up. And we were at different parts in the forest. So my buddies were in the truck and I said, hey, I, I think I might have shot a bear. So the four of us went into the bush and we looked where the bear was, where I was standing. Normally, if you hit an animal, there's going to be blood splatter. Yeah. And we found no signs of blood splatter anywhere. So you might have just scared him. I just scared him. Yeah. I had a big noisy gun. Was it a black bear? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the black bear, that's how you scare him off. You yeah, have to... big bang. Big bang. Big, big bang. And, and normally, you're in a thick bush, and there's a, a, a laneway clearing so that you can stand way back and shoot through this laneway where they clear the brushway at the bear as it crosses that laneway, the mm-hmm. shooting laneway. And normally, the bear has no idea which way the sound comes from. So they want to run at the path of least resistance. So they usually run straight up the runway towards the hunter. (laughs) (laughs) And I've met a few hunters that before they were able to get the second shot off, they were actually knocked down by the fleeing bear (laughs) (laughs) and left lying in the ground as the bear tore off. Oh, it's like Leonardo DiCaprio (laughs) in in The Revenant or whatever. knocked down and the bear's gone. Uh Uh-huh. Scaredy bears, for sure. I was so close to the bear. And he, he ran away. But I realized then that maybe, you know, my hunting career had come to an end. If I couldn't shoot a large black bear at 25 feet. <laughs> <laughs> I was, maybe was, you shouldn't be in the I probably shouldn't alone. be shooting anything anymore. Like, that's a big target. Mm-hmm. So that was, I, I sold my guns and uh, sold my beagle. And I figured that's it for me for hunting. You know, my vision had got to that point. Where you I could sold no your hunt. beagle. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Your well-trained little hunting beagle. My little beagle. It wasn't for bears, for for rabbits. I I loved hunting with the dogs. 
for oh. rabbits. Oh, yeah, for sure. And the rabbit, they go so slow. I mean, it's not like fox hunting where the dogs are pursuing a, a fox, sight hunting the fox. A beagle hunts with his nose. He smells the rabbit trail. Yeah. And, and they're just barely moving forward. I mean, you could you walk so slowly when you follow these beagles, you know, following a rabbit. And the rabbit hops, stops, hops, stops. But if- yeah, so ethically... I stopped hunting, but why I want to get back into hunting is because the technology has now changed and it's made it possible for me to hunt again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if technology gets too advanced though, hunting's just going to get boring. No, no, no. Yeah. It'll never be boring. Because, you don't think so? No, because there's still all the pursuit and the whole activity of getting ready for the hunting. Running around all, in the forest. Getting your equipment ready, going to the hunting site, setting up your campsite, you know, getting familiarized with the location, spending all that time looking for the game. You know, the actual shooting, uh, killing the animal, and then, you know, you're dressing the animal, taking the animal out, and, mm-hmm. and preparing the animal, and then, you know... Eating it. Eating the animal and for many months to come. You know, there's many aspects of hunting, and the socialization with your friends, and the adventure. Oh, yeah. It's like fishing, but, like, out on the ground. I think mom would absolutely murder us if we came home with a bear well, she, no she wouldn't eat it but she doesn't want to eat, she doesn't like to taste the wild game so much but she might get used to it she'd probably be fine eating a turkey we just have to tell her oh we got it from the from the butcher turkey tastes like turkey she'd be fine eating a turkey but if we brought a bear home she would be absolutely no, bear, bear mad is, at us spring bear tastes really good i'd yeah. be totally down to taste bear i yeah. when i was at the cottage with my friend like these past few days we saw a little baby bear a one-year-old a one-and-a-half-year-old cup from last summer he was by himself so his mom probably had another baby he was running around the forest alone well your mother and i saw a great big bear near the cabin bluefish yeah. canada acquired up in the pontiac running across the road it leaped across two lanes of gravel road with three bounces yeah <laughs> black bears can run very fast and they're very good at climbing trees oh they are oh yeah but they're scaredy cats Hold on. This is a very important question. If we start hunting, does that mean we can get a beagle? Outdoor tips and tech. Six degrees on your left. 122 meters. There's two basic devices that blind hunters use for shooting and hunting. One device uses a camera that's mounted on the scope of the rifle. So instead of you using your eye to look down the scope and see those crosshairs on your target, you have a camera that's doing that. And it's sending the signal wirelessly to someone with a tablet sitting next to you. And they see what you're aiming at. And then they tell you, up a little bit, left a little bit. Okay, down, fire. And it has to be done very quietly because you don't want the animals to hear you. Otherwise, they'll run away. So this has to be done very quietly, very smoothly, without hardly any movement at all. And hopefully, it's going to result in a good, uh, clean kill. The other technology uses a laser dot mounted on normally a shotgun. So a shotgun shoots many pellets, and that's for ducks and geese and turkey. So with a laser dot, it's a red dot or a green dot. Apparently the green dots are better, they're brighter. And you put the green dot on the target. And uh, again, if you need someone's help, they will tell you left, right, up, down. Okay, pull the trigger. If you have some sight, can see some contrast, you can do it yourself and have someone there to make sure you're actually you know, shooting what you should be shooting. And that's the main thing. Make sure you know what you're shooting at before you pull the trigger. Why hunt? Why forage? They're all things we used to do 
to feed ourselves and our families. The first stone-tipped arrows and spears were invented about 500,000 years ago. The first bows and arrows were invented not even 100,000 years ago. Before that, people just chased down animals, and when the animal got tired, they snuck up on it and clubbed it to death with a rock. Not very glamorous, but it got the job done. Now we have all sorts of technology and opportunity to do this sort of activity as people with disabilities. Should we be doing this? Is it a conversation we want to have in the public domain? There's going to be a lot of people that are going to have a lot of opinions about hunting in general and whether it's ethical to hunt at all. But if you ask me, if you go out there and gather mushrooms or nuts or berries or fish for food, and if you hunt, what you're doing is you're saying, I, I love nature, I want to be in nature, and I want to harvest from nature. And if you're a, a, a fully cognizant gatherer and forager, you will also decide that you have to make sure that what you're harvesting can be done so sustainably. And you want to make sure that that's going to last for a long time, for future generations. So you develop a commitment, a, a One Health commitment to nature. It's a circular thing. Nature gives to you and you give back to nature. If we all stop foraging and gathering in nature, we're going to be much more likely to say, well, I think it's more important that we have, you know, oil for our machines or trees for our houses or furniture or diamonds and gold for our, our bling. And we're going to sacrifice nature for our greed, for our benefit, for our lifestyles, you're going to be much less likely to make those sacrifices if you really love nature and spend time in nature. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or visit me at lawrencegunther.com to keep up to date on my blogs and videos. Subscribe to get the latest episodes of Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther by visiting your favorite podcast provider. And please take some time to rank us and give us some comments. Send me your feedback, suggestions, and questions on email at feedback at ami.ca or on Twitter at AMI-audio. I want to thank Nazreen Abdel-Majid. The manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping on Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.